Today we're on 1 Thessalonians verse 5 and 12. 1 Thessalonians verse 5 and 12. If you will look at that. And I have several scriptures, so as I go through them, and, and again, you know, right now we're still in the pruning system, uh, season after the pruning. Uh, remember what the farmer, what the gardener did? He dug around the tree, dug around it, and did a little, and put a little fertilizer on it. Did some water and fertilizer. He, t- he said, said to the master, don't cut it down now. Give me a chance to dig around it, fertilize it, and, and, and see what it produced the next year. So this is what our intent is for the next month. I know God is going to change it in, 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 in the springtime. going to change our lesson. But right now, I'm just going to add a little bit more fertilizer uh, to you all. First Thessalonians 5 and 12 says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters to acknowledge those who work hard among you who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you uh, I, God gave me this today to share with you all and as we go through this lesson think about it, apply it to your own life and at some point you'll see your position in this not necessarily that you are a preacher, teacher or whatever, but we're all called to do something. And now the uh, verse, uh, a little bit more it said, now the harvest is plentiful and the labors are few. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Verse 36 says, when he saw the crowds he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are fruit. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest. Now, each of us have a job, you all. Now, in, in each of us are called to be a laborer. Think about it. We are actually called to be a laborer. And that's in Acts 1 and 8. 1 and 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. That is our assignment, each and every one that has the power. That power is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And when we acknowledge that and receive that, we have access to the power God has for us to be able to go out and tell other people about Jesus. Get Hebrews 13 and 17. This is adding more fuel. Now, Hebrews 13 and 17 says, Obey your leaders. Submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that that would be of no advantage to you. Acts, uh, get First uh, Timothy five verse 17 through 18 and I'm going to read this one again Hebrews 13 and 17 obey your leaders submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account they have to give an account of what they're doing leaders okay let them do this with joy and not with groaning for they 
for that would be of no advantage to you. Sometimes we worry leaders with unnecessary stuff. And that I know. I know for a fact. And I've seen it. And as a leader, I am a leader, Bible teacher, and administrator, all these different jobs. But people will worry you over junk. And as long as you allow it, you get too tired, too tired to be able to go and do what the work of the Lord. And even in our own family, sometimes we allow stuff to just go, 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 go. Even down to our children, grandchildren, or whomever, cousins, aunts, nieces, and anybody. When you let people un- ungodly worry you, 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 you get tired. You'll be a no good for God. First Timothy 5, 17 through 18 said, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. i read that part again. It said, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of a double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain and the laborers deserve wages. I don't know what church size church you all are in, but this is one thing I've always taught and I've taught pastors to be respectful. I've taught mothers in the churches, the uh, auxiliaries in the churches. Is one thing what the scripture says right here. You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And the laborers deserve his wages. Think about ox, uh, uh, two oxes tied side tied together. And they're treading out the grain in the field. They're in the field, walking through the field. God said, don't put a muzzle on them. As they're going through this field, treading out this uh, grain, they should be able to reach down and eat a little bit. That's what it says. When we're in a church and we're not paying our pastor, we're out of order. Bottom line. If you're not paying your pastor, you I don't care if he says he don't want anything. God's word said right there, for the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And the laborers desire, deserve this. Even though the pastor may not say, uh, you know, uh, I'm talking in the general. Even though he say, I don't want anything. You still should give him something. If the church is not in the position to give him a, a, a wage. Remember the old days, Miss Bernie. You remember this. And Mimi, y'all remember this. The old way that we were raised in the Pentecostal church. They used to have a Sunday. And, and not necessarily the same not necessarily a special Sunday, but they used to have a big basket in and sitting up on the, on the pulpit. And people were bringing in a pound of flour, maybe a pound of sugar, uh, maybe a, a, a big gallon of milk. I know they did it in the, in the holiness church that I was in at one time when the church was small. When the church got big, the, the people didn't do that. They just started dishing out salaries to the pastor. But in the smaller churches, they did... Uh, <coughs> Excuse me. They gave the pastor. They didn't muzzle the pastor. They gave him what they could give. They shared with him. Not necessarily do you always have ten percent of the money. Some some don't. So you you have to be a wise stu- steward over your money. Sometimes when you get a small social security check, you take the ten percent off. I've heard it taught different, but I'm teaching it. I'm gonna say it the way Vera knows it. You can take that 10% off and do your tithes or whatever. But God tells us to be a good steward. And this is what I teach people. You, Yes, we're supposed to be a good steward. But if you're going to take your 10% off and that's going to lessen 
your rent money. And then you got to go to the church or go down, sit down in the system and beg money back. He tells them to be a wise, a wise person. You may not have all of it, but I'm not going to go there. Anyway, it just said, don't muzzle the ox. Do what you need. Allow the Holy Spirit to tell you what to do. Luke 10 and 7 says, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborers deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. That's what a lot of people do. Instead of sitting at one church, they just go at each church and drink a little bit here, go over there next Sunday, drink a little bit there, go with another one next Sunday, drink a little bit there. But they never honor the, the pastor. You can do your offerings or whatever. That, that is part of our life, you all. We're in the kingdom of God, and we have to respect those that, that lead us and, and guide us. When, when a pastor get up and give your word, God holds him accountable for the word he's given out. And if the word uh, helps us, uh, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, Paul was doing a teaching. He said, now, to warn, he did this to warn Titus against false teachers, to encourage Titus to Titus, T-I-T-U-S, to appoint godly leaders in the churches, to tell Titus to live out his faith. Even in any church, if you're over uh, the kitchen, if you got a lazy person that don't want to go in and clean the kitchen, uh, mop the kitchen, uh, and they just go in and, and, and do a little sprinkling, wipe off and go. And when you go in and you try to sit down and have a, a nice, decent meal, you can look over in the corner and see dirt. You see trash thrown in the corner. You see your tablecloths all wrinkled and dirty. That That's a false teacher. That's a false person. But he was just encouraging Paul how to do this rightfully. To encourage Titus to appoint godly leaders. Godly leaders. Now Titus 1, 5 through 7. Let's grab that one. Titus 1, 5 through 7. Uh, Paul said, this is why I left you in Crete. So that you might put what remain in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Verse 5 says, uh, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Verse 6 says, an elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. When you get to be a certain age and you have a position in the church, you can speak up. You can sp go in conference and speak to the pastor. But if you sit in there and, and you see all that is not blameless and got three or four girlfriends, I could not sit on a leader like that without saying something. Because I'm disobedient to what God's word says. Uh, go ahead on down to verse 7 says, Since an overseer managed God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, and pursuing dishonest gain. That even goes down to our household, you all. Even our personal life, even on the job as a supervisor, this this here we could apply this one right here. When you manage someone, you got to be a blameless person. You can't be overbearing and like you got a whip. They did that during the slavery days. They took the whip and cracked the whip all the time. We didn't have a choice. We had to do what the master said. But he tells us the the, the leaders now are not supposed to be overbearing. They're not supposed to be quick tempered, not evil and mad at everything. Not given to drunkenness. I've seen all of this in corporate life. But we're not supposed to tolerate that. 
not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. We're, we're not supposed to do that. That's not, not how leaders supposed to be. First Thessalonians 5 and 14. First Thessalonians 5 and 14 says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Admonish the idle. Encourage the fainted hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. He's talking to us, the laborers. See, that's who he's talking to. Now, the word uh, admonish means to uh, express warning. We say something. Our disapproval to especially in a gent we say it with a gentle and earnest manner. It's like say something or give advice or warning. If you're going down the street and you've been down that street over and over and over and all of a sudden you see a big crack in the road and you're gonna go around it and you know you got a whole trail of people come behind you, you you're gonna at least attempt to call them on the cell phone and say, There's a big hole in front of you. Go around it. And if they don't listen to you, oh well. But our job is to uh, admonish people. You know, watch your step. Watch what's going on. Just don't be silent. And 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 when you're talking to them, a lot of time there there's people that always got to come back. Always got to come back with every other every other sentence you make. I don't allow people to talk when I'm talking. If I'm telling you something and you got to come back all the time, I don't want to hear it. Because when I'm talking to you, I'm saying what God says. And a lot of people have a whole bunch of excuses. Well, I can't do that. I can't do that. No, you need to hear what God says. And after God said, now I'll, I'll shut up. And you can say whatever you said. But knowing God gives us a spirit of, uh, of discernment, you all. We, 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 got, well, we have the spirit of God living in it. We know when people are lying. And we should not be so blindhearted that we can't see it. What old Judge Judy said, if it walk like a duck, quack like a duck, it's a duck. And we need to be able to talk up and say it. Say what it is because we we have to know those who's laboring with us. We can't be going, trying to do the work of the Lord and we got sorry, false people hanging on to us. It do, does not work. Get 2 Corinthians 11 and 23. 2 Corinthians 11 and 23. That says, are they servants of Christ? You can ask yourself that. And Paul was started doing his testimony. And I love this. And I love the testimony that I'm going to read that Paul was doing. He said, are they servants of Christ? I, I am a better one. I am talking like a... He said he's talking like a madman because he got frustrated about something. Talking to idiots and all people without knowledge, you, you do get frustrated. I've been frustrated this past week over some idiotic stuff. People idiotic. One of the idiotic that I think I I, I I think I expressed it to you all. This young lady that I've been knowing a long time. I've been knowing her grandmother, her auntie, a long, long time. Her mother, a long, long time. Disobedient child. Disobedient. Had three-year-old. She got older kids. A three-year-old daughter. And this, this girl is on crash. She had the Oxycontin laying around where the three-year-old girl, the three-year-old girl ate Oxycontin. If y'all don't know what Oxycontin is, Google it. Find out. What do you think happened to the little girl? She's laying in the hospital, but most likely they're going to take the girl away from the mother. That's what it says. Now, go ahead. Now, another thing for uh, admonishment is uh, 
no, no, let me go back again. Paul says, uh, I am a better one. I am talking, he said he's talking like a madman with far greater laborers for uh, more imprisonments. He's t- telling his testimony he had more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. This is what Paul, Paul is saying. And I have a, I'm going to pause a minute and ask you a question. What have you done for God lately? Are you sitting on the couch idle? Are you pretending everything is fine when you got a bunch of junk going on all around you? You have to know people to labor. Know who's around you. Know who's you're working with. You got to know these people because if not, you won't get in the way. It makes, after a while, you are, we've talked about this. The who you hang around is who you will become alike. Get 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 28. And we're right done. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 23 through 28. Paul said, and it starts, Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. This is Paul saying, I am more. I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was uh, pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in an open sea. 26 says, I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, danger in, in danger from Gentiles, in dangers from the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, and danger from false believers. We all been there. I, verse 27 said, I have labored and tall and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. 28 says, he said, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. My, my heart goes out to, can I say, the confused, misused, and abused people. First of all, you know, being that I minister to people during the weekday, and, and I said a lot of them have, uh, we have our children, our grandchildren that's out on drugs. They're, they're out on stupidity. But one thing I've learned, you all, over all the years, over 26 years I've been ministering, first of all, you got to get the demon out of you. You just can't just start yelling at the person because their mind are captured by the drug or the drug demon or the spirit that's on them. They're captured so they can't hear what you say. You can give them food or whatever, but that demon still, when you're not in their presence, that demon plays with them. He puts a whole bunch of snake eggs there, right? Hey, now, that's the word, snake eggs. They put a whole bunch of snake eggs in, the, in there. You, they can't hear. But our prayer should always, God, open the eyes of their heart. And when we see it's a demon, we cast them, be in a position where you can cast that demon off of them. But don't be yelling and screaming at him. You have to talk quietly. Satan don't like for you to talk quietly. He comes like a roaring lion. He ain't got no guts. God gives us all power. 
all power to overcome all of this and be able to help those that's in bondage. And say, that's all our job is. Go out and tell somebody about the good news. And if you're not doing that, ask the Holy Spirit to help you as to how to do that. But we should just blend in and just accept what they say. That's not what our job is. Now, I, I, I wanted to ask you this here. If you're able to relate any part of this lesson to your personal life. I know I am a remnant. And I walk in that office as a remnant. 75 years old and I can look all the way back. I can look all the way back to sitting with my grandmother. I can look all the way back to that. Maybe, you know, not to say everybody can do that, but I can look all the way back to, to my mom and dad and what they did and the life they lived in front of me. And, and the life that I live, even when coming out here and all the stuff I went through coming out here and even living and going through a lot of these churches with a lot of ignorance and false prophets, uh, false pastors, false teachers. That's why we have to know the word of God for ourselves. When we don't know the word of God, we accept anything. And we just figure, oh, okay. And that is mainly what's wrong with our culture today because we accept anything. This new generation is a uh, microwave generation. They want to fast, fast, fast. But the fastness don't help. After a while, when, when you microwave food, Sometimes I microwave some things just to speed it up. And by the time I can get it on the table to the kids, it's cold. But when you got the good old stuff that you boil and you let it simmer, and as you're fixing the plate, you put it on the place and it's hot by the time you get there. It's still warm. We, we those of us that are remnants or you done been through something already, don't be ashamed of what you've been through. Allow the Spirit of God that lives in you to testify. And even if you give it to them, the Word of God tells them, you know, you tell them. And if they don't want to hear it, shake the dust off and you keep going. God holds them accountable. He doesn't hold you accountable when you tell the truth. All right, you all? All right, amen.